0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 402 featuring Chris Cook and Sean Ritchie who are great supervisors over at Crafty Apes. Uh, it was great talking to these guys because it really sort of get to see a little bit. You know, obviously they're extremely busy. Crafty Apes is a company that has grown so much recently and has done such great work, and obviously attracts really great talent, which uh, was evident by talking to uh, Sean and Chris. Uh, but uh, also, what it was I thought was interesting is just a, sort of the atmosphere and the, and the place that, that, that Crafty has and tries to really sort of balance your work life, uh, which is a rare thing in a days today when with so many virtual effects companies are just overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have so it was really great to see that to see that also to talk about the great projects they they've been involved with as well you know some of the things like the orville and stranger things four and a bunch of other their great projects and also talking about some of the new up-and-coming trends such as you know obviously virtual production ai and all those other things so lots of fun talking to chris and sean uh, kristen is not with me as you can see today so unfortunately she uh is uh, busy with Thanksgiving coming up, uh, but uh, we are extremely uh, excited to bring you a couple of news. Obviously, V-Ray 6 has been released in all, may, many, many of our products, uh, and, and we would like to sort of make sure people know that V-Ray 6 for SketchUp, Revit, and App SDK, they're all out. Uh, there's a few outstanding ones, but uh, definitely go check it out. If you want to go look at any of these uh, features of V-Ray 6, just go to chaos.com, and it's all listed there. Um, another announcement I want to make, which is something I'm very... Very proud of uh, is our partners in art program, which uh, I've done a couple of these uh, with uh, with some people, and it's basically uh, helping people who have a passion project uh, and they need some help, uh, and they would like to get obviously some some help from us in terms of licenses and things of that nature. Uh, but we also can we're, are making a little bit more formal now. We're actually going to provide some financial help if you have some, and if you'd like to apply to be a partners in art prog- program, uh, and and uh, no, you know we would love to to hear what you've got what. You've got what your proposals are. So just go to chaos.com slash partners in art, all in uh, one word. Again, that's chaos.com slash partners in art. P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S-I-N-A-R-T, Partners in Art. And uh, just go ahead, submit your application. We'd love to hear your proposal and what you're looking for uh, and what your needs are. And uh, we see if we can accommodate you and um, make you part of the program. Uh, Another announcement we have is uh, for our events. Uh, We have something going on uh, November 23rd, which is in a couple of days. uh, And that is the Chaos Campus Live Show, and it will be Episode 9. So if you want to check that out, go to chaos.com slash event. Again, that is chaos.com slash events. And if you want to know more about the podcast, you can go to facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast. You can also go to uh, our podcast page on our website, which is chaos.com slash CG Garage. And if you'd like to watch us, you can always go to youtube.com uh, slash chaos group TV. Uh, and of course, if you have any suggestions or ideas of podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, our email is labs at chaos.com. But for now, Please enjoy episode number 402 with Chris Cook and Sean Ritchie from Crafty Apes.
1: Welcome to another CG garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now.
0: You guys, you guys are extremely busy, uh, which I find uh, uh, very exciting uh, for all the amazing <laughs> things that we get to, to watch uh, constantly that are coming either on the screen or in our streaming boxes. Uh, but uh, I think it's really interesting Uh, to to see what you guys are doing over at Crafty uh, and uh, an amazing company that's growing so much, especially in the last several years. Uh, that I'm very very impressed. But in order, for, I'd like to give a, people a little bit of an introduction uh, to you guys and let people know who who you guys are and where you guys come from and what landed you in the position that you're in. So, so Sean, let's start with you. Where, what's what's your background? What's where where do you come from and how how did you end up in visual effects and, and here at Crafty? I guess I mean, you're in Vancouver. Yes, yeah, I'm in Vancouver.
2: Um, I actually start yeah. out in arc like ArchViz, um, I was working in architecture yeah, for eight and a half years. Um, and then the 2008 hit back in the States and uh, technology kind of changed. You had Revit and stuff coming out where Arcviz wasn't really needed as much. Um, and uh, at the time, Walking Dead was um, starting up. It was one of the big, huge starts of Atlanta. Um, really kicked off the filming that has just exploded down there and um right there's three of us that started out together never done visual effects before um that just happened to get in um with a, a studio down there and it just kind of took off from there um but it was pretty funny because like a lot of us really didn't know the terms of visual effects we're all just trying to learn together as me doing cg and there's two compers um and we're all just kind of growing together trying to figure it out and funny enough um most of the, that team grew over the few years, but they all now work for Crafty Apes in Atlanta, um, except for one who's down in New Zealand. But over time, we're hoping to pull her into it as well. But you know, um, it just kind of started with that Atlanta scene that grew up. And um, there wasn't a whole lot of visual effects going on, there was just a few studios on there. And uh, I was looking for something, uh, a little bit of a change out of Atlanta, and um, started putting out feelers. and um, CEOs up here in Vancouver. Um, they bit, so I packed up my stuff and drove from Atlanta to Vancouver and I've been here for five and a half years and it's, uh, it's a lot different than Atlanta scene is, but it's, I've learned a, a ton just by, um, just how big the industry is up here and the different artists and people in, in the business. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been a crazy journey, but I mean, it's been exciting every step of the way. So, um but yeah, that's where I, I came up from and doing onsets.
0: What was the studio in Ve- in Atlanta that you were with at the
2: beginning? It was Stargate Studios. Um Oh Stargate, yeah. of course. So okay. uh, Sam Nicholson, yeah. um his yep. his group. Um so that's where we started, but it's uh, it's been a pretty crazy journey. Um <laughs>
0: and- yeah, and, and, and so, you know, based on our couple of our email exchanges and, and information, like Chris was telling me, that you do a lot of on-set stuff, right? Like you have a lot of experience on-set, Yes, right? I do on- So where did that experience
1: come um, from?
2: Well, it was – the way I got into VFX was a kind of unique thing because for visual effects, we're actually on-set, um, which is um, something that I, I didn't realize. Most people didn't really have that kind of connection um, but we're on Walking Dead. We're Cell Block C. That was the little visual effects uh, room, and so we're just always on set. I mean, we're we're constantly dealing with the different productions. We had the, the prop department right next door to us. We had the wardrobe departments. We had all these different connections with on set, and so I got really comfortable being with that environment. And then it just, as my career has gone on, it's I've been doing on set VFX shooting and and bouncing around different projects uh, through that uh, avenue. So it's it's just kind of my comfort zone just because how I started. So I was really did well with that. Um, And it's, I like the CG part because I've been doing that since 98. Um, But the onset, the, I think the, the buzz and the, just the kind of activity that goes on on set just really caters more to my personality. Um, But I like doing both. I like being a part of the behind the camera stuff. And I like being a part of the actual CG builds. Um, So it's, it's nice to be able to split my time between both worlds.
0: Did your architecture background uh, – like, did you actually have an architecture background or did you just get into Arcviz? Do you have an architecture degree or – No,
2: I actually, I went to school for computer animation, I actually. That was my – I got my degree <laughs> in computer animation but just fell into Arcviz because there was – at the time, there was a bunch of real estate developers and they were needing models of their 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 perspective uh, developments. And uh, a buddy of mine from college, we just got into it that way. And just started building out these spec homes and buildings and, and it just kind of grew into this, uh, uh, a career helping visualize uh, these designs for just different architecture firms. Um, but it was funny cause I had wanted to go to architecture school, but, um, art school was a little bit easier to get into. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it just catered more to what I wanted to do. I liked the CG aspect that I'd, I'd started messing around with, uh, CG when I was 14 and just started like Mm. trying to figure things out on my own. Um, and then when I realized that was kind of the avenue I wanted to take, that's I just went feet first into all of it and just submerged myself into that, just learning as much as I could in it. And then I got a hold of V Ray, and it just kind of like I didn't, I never looked back after I got a hold of V Ray. I'm like, okay, this is way better than. Uh, other stuff I've been using, so I just put my time into yep. learning that as much as I could. Nice, nice. All
0: right, we're going to get back to some of that architecture background because I think it plays into it. But let's go to you, Chris. What, I mean, you've you, I've I saw a little bit of your MDB and some of your LinkedIn, so you've been you've been all over the place in some of the big places and, and everywhere. Tell us a little yeah. bit about what got you into the visual effects industry.
1: Uh, yeah, mine's mine's considerably different to Sean. I think uh, growing up in quite a small town in the UK. Visual effects is something I always wanted to do, um, but I, I basically I left co- I left school at like sixteen, hated it, didn't work, didn't go to college, didn't go to university or nothing like that. Um, and to me, visual effects was always a uh, a pipe dream for those that are lucky enough to have a degree and live in LA. Basically, that that's what it was to me. So I never really pursued it until later on in life for myself, um, and to the point that a load of uh menial degrading jobs um really pushed me over the edge and I was like you know what I'm gonna do what I gotta do uh found myself at university starting university at 24 um mm. and kind of starting my journey from there and then I did something kind of similar to what Sean did um in architectural visualization just for like the first I did it for the the last year of my university degree and then uh the first year after that. And then quite ironically, it was a company building a uh, real-time ray tracer at the time. And my job was to take like client scenes and make them a bit better. Um, and uh,
0: which was the ironic, real-time ray tracer at the time.
1: Uh, this is called Shader Shaderlight and they were developing okay. for 3d max and for Google sketchup.
0: Right, right, right. Um,
1: but I always remember that um, it was one year, the, the owners of the company come back from SIGGRAPH and V-Ray announced RT. And that was basically the end of what we were doing. So V-Ray <laughs> killed my job at the time. <laughs> right. Um, this was about
0: 2008, I think, right?
1: Somewhere around there. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this, so that's actually what pushed me in. I ended up uh, making the call to leave that company, um, joined Framestore as a runner. Um, mm. and. I always, I always say, like, I. And this was had in great. the UK. Yes, this was in London. Mm. Uh, moved to London. Uh, cost me more to get to work than I earned at work uh, for the first six months of my job. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was very, very lucky in the in the times and things. So I joined Framestore during Gravity. Um, wow. and I yeah uh, got in at the time when the art director and director were working in the office. Um, so I got put in a small office with those two. Um, spent about a better part of a year just pre, like pre-designing it, doing the, all the pre-shoot stuff, pre-designing what the interior of the space station is going to look like, and all this kind of stuff, so that they could pre-plan their the robotic cameras actually on stage. Um, and just getting in like that did me really well. I ended up spending uh, more than ten years, I think, at Framestore, um, where I quickly kind of moved up the ranks. I kind of I made a name for myself there as the the go-to for the Marvels and the Disney's for their characters and the Digi-Doubles and stuff so they would come to us and yeah ended up working on uh, quite a lot of those Um, but I'm I'm sure yourself and all your listeners are well aware of what the industry's like in London there's no such thing as OT out there there's no rule to say you can't pressure people to uh, to work late all the same Um, it's not a very healthy culture Um, and kind of after all that um Dina reached out to me and offered me the opportunity to come to Canada to work on Dune um and to work on Dune I, yes so I was Lucky a you. asset supervisor on that um we were at the time I left London I was like kind of um, I was very burnt out I was very over it um and I was one of the wonderful things about our industry is people like come and go, and it offers you jobs all over the place. And I was starting to get to the point where I I had friends who had left Framestore, they'd gone and seen New Zealand, and they'd gone to Thailand, and then they come to Canada, and then they come back to Framestore London, and like it got to the point where I was like, why am I not doing this? Like, why am I not using this opportunity? So I was like, you know what? Yeah, all right. They offered, a, you know, they brought me over here, um, and I was pretty burned out. So yeah, I spent like two years working on June um but for me i like it was a wild ride and it was great fun but kind of after that and after like so many marvel shows and disney shows we all i don't need to tell you what they're like we all know what they're like um i was like this is not why i moved to canada you know i moved here for an easier better life like more outdoors life and things like that and um, having a look around and uh about February this year, I moved to Crafty. It seemed like a, a good fit for me. It's a good they they have a, a good level of respect for their employees and their employees' time and, and like that. And um, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I'm in this country for. So.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I I and it's great to hear about Crafty because I know I think that you know this is something that I want to sort of get into is like that company and why it's different. Right? There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of people that are being. Dragged and into you know very difficult decisions and mm-hmm. things like that, but I think that Crafty is doing something very different. Like I see their names in all the places where <laughs> other companies are not, right? Yeah. Like I see their name in all of the things that they're doing. It's it, they may they may be doing a couple of Marvel things, they may be doing a couple of things here and there, but they're also doing all the. The things that people forgot about that are cool, that are fun, right? They're, you know, like, so. So, what's yeah. what are the what's the kind of work that you guys are doing at Crafty? What's what's sort of the thing that you guys are sort of engaged with right now?
1: We kind of we do kind of have our fingers in a lot of pies at the moment. I think one of the yeah. key things. Um, and and I remember reading this from one of the an email from one of the directors of the companies who are not really. I don't think we ever want to be like a lead studio on a Marvel. Or, or Disney kind of project because that's just not who we are. Um, there's been a couple of times when we've been particularly busy and the company owners have sent out emails being really apologetic and being like, this is not who we are, this is not who we want to be. So the projects, I think they tend to try and align themselves with uh, something that aligns with their values in, in that, you know, it, you're not going to bankrupt us as a studio, you're not going to burn our artists' yeah. out. Um And I think they really... Look to work together with clients to find that work-life balance for, for us, so that we can also deliver at the same time. So, I mean, myself and, and Sean are just—we both just finished up one show. We're both working on on one same one and on multiples at the moment. That are kind of more towards the large-scale environments, I'd say, Sean. Yeah. And, um
0: What kind of environment? Like big
1: environments? You said? Yeah. Yes, the large, <laughs> large-scale stuff. Yeah. So. It's um,
2: through. I think uh, crafty for the cG department uh, falls more into we're doing set extensions, we're doing um, effects work um, we tend to stay away from more of the the character type work because there's just studios that really have that's that's their niche right you just they that's their thing um, and uh, kind of narrow our focus into something that we can manage um, and our artists can manage without burning out and and working. Twelves six twelves a week, and you're on that for weeks on end. And you've seen that at bigger studios. It's just, I like what I like about the upper management at crafty is they just, they do really enforce that, that work-life balance. Um, the overtime is the exception, not the rule. Whereas I've been at other places where it hit is the complete opposite of that. And
0: interesting.
2: it's I always go back to something my grandfather said. He said, at the end of my life, I'm not, I don't wish I worked more. I wish I spent more time with my family and that just resonated with me. And that seems to be more of what Crafty's values fall into is they work is what we do during the day. That's what we do to support our families. And, and yeah. after that, it's our family time, which is very important. Um, and that's and all the way owners to the, of the company are, <laughs> Yeah,
1: The owners of the company are still on box yeah. to quote a term. They still comp shots um, and stuff. And so they they know what we're in, you know, when we're in the thick of it, they're there with us in it and they don't want to be in it either. So, Right. Um, they're, they're, they're like, you know, I don't want to be doing this. So I can imagine you guys don't want to be doing this. So let's not do this. <laughs> so,
0: well, I think that's kind of surprising. I actually want to get into that a little bit because yes, like you said, the owners, the owners uh, who, by the way, if you ever get in touch with them, I'd love to have them on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they are, they, this is a, there is, it is a, the exception, not the rule, that a artist-founded visual effects company does well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> because it's generally the you know artists tend to be aggressive about the, the passion of the quality of the work that they want to do, and also doesn't necessarily want to treat their artists well and those things don't always go hand in hand right Mm. and so i think that there's a way that they manage to do that and grow the company as much as they have that somehow they've managed that do you think what do you think the secret is to 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 that as a company
1: i think honestly coming from big studios and, and you know without being horrible about them or anything like that the people that run those companies are not and probably never have been visual effects artists in any way, shape, form. They are businessmen, you know, or business people, pardon my terms, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, they have business heads. They see them, num- they are, their employees are numbers on spreadsheets. Um, and those numbers have to churn out a certain amount to make, you know, profit margins line up. And that's literally all it is for them. It's, it's a profit making thing. And I think, I, I mean, I'm sure. The owners of Crafty Apes started it to make some money, but that's not the be-all be all and end-all to them. It's because they want to find an avenue for them <clears throat> to be able to do the work that they want to do without the stresses of somebody that might be coming from the business world that has no idea what we actually do at artist level. That's my opinion, anyway.
2: I mean, I, and they also, I think they they still get the cool projects, but they only bite off just as much, as like, just a small chunk. So you still get to do cool stuff, but you're not doing this huge, huge amount of work. Like, they still do the Marvel stuff. It, like, you see that list. we were still in that group. Um, but it's a more manageable volume of work instead of this, this just grind of stuff that um, will wear you out over time. And just, by the end of it, you're exhausted. They just... I don't see them taking on that mm-hmm. big of work. Um, yet, they still get cool shots. Um, and it's... They, they break it up, too. It's not just like a film house. They do a mix of episodic. They do a mix of film. So you keep, um, you just get that diversity through it. And also they encourage, like, hey, if you're a fan of this one certain IP, you can throw your name in the mix. Like, hey, I want to work on that. Like, I, 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 I am a Marvel fan. I do want to work on one of those shots. I want one of those for myself. Or um, Right. I mean, we, we do have quite a cool uh, mix of projects in-house right now. Um, it's, it's extremely busy, but it's not yeah. overwhelmingly busy. Um, I think I found I'd rather have something to do than to be completely bored. <laughs> I don't want to run out of work cause then I'm not doing anything. Then it just, the days creep by. But if you have a bunch of stuff that gets you going, you just, your day just goes by pretty quick. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, 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 heard, you know, back when, back when I was doing production work and stuff and when. Uh, uh, you know, I did I did commercial work, and I also did a uh, feature, a lot of feature work and some commercial work. And I remember the, the the thing was like, oh, commercials is great because you know you'll work on it for you know five to ten weeks, and then it's over, right? And then in, with features, you're like you're on a movie for like you know nine months to two years or whatever it is, and it's and if it's a crappy movie, that's two years of your life that's gone, right? <laughs> so that's. <laughs> Uh, and then the movie gets that. canned. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and 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 so, but the thing that I think is interesting now is that you guys are on multiple projects, right? Yeah, you, and, yeah. and and these are not small, right?
1: <laughs> They're not. So, yeah, <clears throat> me and Sean are the only two CG soups up here in Vancouver. Really? Yeah, yeah in you Vancouver. need more CG <laughs> soups. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is not right. <laughs> That's crazy.
2: Well, the market, I mean, the market has changed so much. I mean, that COVID just switched things up. Um, and with the streaming, like everything went to streaming. Like COVID just like, yeah. like catapulted the streaming market um, into insane volumes of work. Um, and what that has done is it's presented so much work to the VFX industry that you can be selective. Like, okay, I don't really want to work on that one. I can work on this one, which is in still pays the bills and everybody gets to make money and stuff, but it's not going to kill everybody. You get to be as a studio, you get to be more selective about what work you take on. Um, and what you turn down. I wonder if, you can turn things I down. If uh, you have to be hungry for, yeah. take what you can get. Um, and I remember that that happened over the summer of 2018 and things kind of slowed down during that summer. Um, and now it's mm-hmm. just like, there's more work than there are industry workers. Um, <laughs> It's like, how do we find right. people to hire right now? There's just not the workforce out there. Everybody's gobbled up into, into the different studios. Um, and you you see a lot more people hiring juniors and people straight out of school because that's the only people that are entering the workforce. Everybody else is well-employed. Um, right. So it's, it's a tough industry work-wise. But um, that streaming market just changed the entire dynamic of...
0: It's so funny because I mean the the industry was so top heavy for a yeah. while, lots of CG supervisors and and not enough juniors, right? And we we're being very selective about juniors. And then yeah. the juniors were getting pissed off because they had to this huge barrier to entry into the upper area. But it sounds now like you guys are very bottom heavy in the industry. Is that do you feel that's true? I mean, because you need all that talent and you guys don't have enough help on this on the cg soup side of things
1: it definitely is and <clears throat> like get, uh, getting juniors is not a particularly big problem for us like sean says finding the seniors is but at the same time we we are grooming
0: as juniors to seniors okay. right? that's the hard <laughs> well, that's part. the
1: problem like mine and sean's time that we have free to train and and bring juniors up the ranks is relatively limited and um, you need that support from all the seniors to be able to do that. So, you know, it's not like we can, you can just go out and hoover up all the juniors in the market because they're just, they're not going to know what they're doing. They're going to have a terrible time. They're going to hate it. Yep. They're going to quit the industry. And it's just, so even even though maybe we could get all the work and we could hire all the juniors, it's it's, it's not the right thing to do for us. I think so.
0: and, and I think that while remote work sometimes has its, advantages for juniors and for you guys to groom juniors it's very hard to do that remotely i'm sure very
2: much so i I, because i I saw the benefit of that buddy system that you would see at studios if you come into a studio you have that person sitting right next to you if you get stuck you have that team to rely on and even doing rounds you just walk the floor and you can see what everybody's working on now it's all the calls you have to you have to jump on the calls you have to do the screen shares um
1: and And i think even a junior would like Sit in a studio, and somebody would walk past their desk and see them struggling with a problem, and just be like, "You know, this is how you do this. This is how you do this." And I can and only that imagine. Junior would
0: never ask for help. You have to see no. them struggling on their own exactly. and not perceive it, right? But now that junior has to ask for help, which mm-hmm. is very intimidating, and right?
1: You have to wonder how many of them are actually just sitting, you know, alone, isolated in a room with a problem that they don't know how to solve. Um, We're not even they, realizing they have a problem. Exactly right, and uh, and and they don't. They don't know who to. Well, they. They don't feel like they can reach out because they're new to the industry. They want to impress. They don't want to seem like they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, it's it's like that that mentality, dude. and just sitting there getting stressed and worried and like suffering it alone. I I really I feel really sorry for juniors in this. They say they love it and stuff like that, but I I don't see it as a good thing, particularly at the lower end of of the industry.
2: But something that we right. try to impress upon the juniors is like, hey, don't don't spend. An hour trying to figure it out reach out it's not mm. no one's going to think negatively of you of asking questions c g is hard yeah. by nature it is hard there's a lot of yeah. things to know, and I don't know anybody, even the best of the best there's no way that every- someone knows everything about it um even as seniors we're still learning new new tips and tricks um and it's you have to have that network of people that you can reach out to, and it's that whole There's no dumb questions. There really isn't a dumb question. You you don't know it until someone shows you how to do it or you ask that question. Then once you ask it and you figure it out and you do it yourself, then you learn Um, and being able to pass along that information around your team lifts everybody up instead of just one person being like the go-to person. Try to share those skills around and that way everybody comes up together. Um, And it's just, I found that is a better way of working in, uh, especially in these, like within the COVID times, and the, since we all work from home now, that's such a vital thing is to get on a call as soon as you can. If it, it takes more than fifteen minutes to figure it out, and get on the call. Just go ahead and call someone up. Yeah, ask them. Um, and it's something that Chris and I try to encourage the seniors to do is like, hey, if someone calls you up and asks you a question, take it. Just go ahead and take the yeah. a- answer the question because that will help you out in the long run too. That-
0: absolutely i'll tell you i'll tell you this i have a very similar story when i was on on day after tomorrow and uh i was new right It was my first job and, and i had a great great cg supervisor Recommended him his name was uh uh andy uh andy wasler and uh he uh he said at, at one point he gave he assigned me some some something to do and it was my like you know first job a little nervous and he says okay you need to i'm here's what you need to do i want you to do this and i looked at him and i and I was like shyly and I was like I finally looked like I don't know how to do that and he goes well neither do I but I think between the two of us we'll figure it out <laughs> and, and and I was uh, so I was like oh okay so then I just basically went around asking questions all the time and you know what asking questions all the time and just walking up to people and say hey I want to know what you this about that my career took off really fast just yeah. by asking questions, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it was a big, it, you know, pretending that you know something is not a good solution.
1: No, it is <laughs> because we don't. No, fake it till you make it. I mean, you just generally don't make it. Well,
2: it's mm-hmm. how I started because I was the only CG person in Atlanta. I just had a bunch of conversations right. so I had to Google everything, and it got to a point where I was just stuck, and so I would fly out to LA to work out of the. Um, the Pasadena office for Stargate just to be around other right. CG artists because there was just a massive, just I would grow so exponentially over a short amount of time just by being able to sit with other CG artists instead of like chatting back and right. forth. Um, and then once I moved up here, I the network of friends and, and coworkers, just the skill levels were so like so advanced that if I don't know it, in five minutes I can call someone that probably knows the answer to that question. And then you start building up these networks of people, coworkers, friends that, um, just you can lean on, you can go ask these questions and, and everybody just is cool. Yeah. I remember when I ran into that one and yeah, I, yeah, it's this one checkbox that you're not even thinking of checking, right. but you wouldn't even yeah, know yeah. until you ask someone. And yeah, and- it, 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 it's yeah, such a absolutely. key thing to growing I, I mean it's the one thing i every junior should remember ask questions just keep asking those questions it you it will yeah. never hurt you in the long run
0: yeah, I think the thing that that you know uh, you know I went to architecture school myself and 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 uh, I was you know it was a great education and but I never practiced architect- well I did practice architecture for a little bit for about five years, but then i left and but one of the greatest things I learned was not, architecture didn't teach me, it taught me architecture, sure, but one of the greatest things it taught me is how to solve problems and 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 how to learn, right? Like, because you're in architecture, you're constantly have to, okay, learn something. It's like, okay, you're gonna design a hospital. Okay, now I have to learn everything about a hospital. <laughs> Like, how does a hospital work? You know, how does this mm-hmm. work? It's not like you're doing, you know, so it's like, okay. And so learning how to learn is actually more important than what you learn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because then you can get really good at it and not being shy to ask questions and stuff. But let's, let's, let's talk about like, you know, you guys have been this for a while and you're coming from very different perspectives, which is great because you're going to give me some great, very different <laughs> answers. Uh, but uh, tell me, you know, like, obviously, since since COVID, the industry has... Has boomed in, in very different ways, right? Uh, you guys mentioned, you know, streaming is huge now, right? Yeah. And honestly speaking, I think it was going to happen one way or another. I think COVID just accelerated that change, yeah. uh, in some ways. Uh, th- uh, you know, box office and, and and movie theaters are are not as important as they used to be. Mm. Uh, there's still some very big expensive movies putting in box office, but obviously the amount of content out there is huge. How does how do you think that has changed both you know what you're doing in terms of you know shooting stuff as well as just a sheer amount of work that you guys are doing
1: uh, yeah i mean the as we touched on earlier the volume of work in the industry right now especially up here in vancouver you know hollywood of the north there's there's no shortage of film sets when you walk around the streets um, they are literally just churning out content left right and center but, um mm. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's an interesting one. Like, I, I know people of myself, I haven't been to the theater cinema in, in a long time. Um, in fact, I think the last thing I saw was Top Gun, which has no visual effects in it, honestly. Um, um, that's, that's,
0: um, uh, I'm friends with Joe. I'm sure you'll tell me exactly what's going on. <laughs> I think that,
2: that one movie, though, is like, uh, that one tapped on nostalgia. Some of these things, like, they feel big, so you want to you want that full big theater experience. Like Dune yeah, is one of went, those the, that just good was
1: surround sound, it's yeah. epic. I
2: mean, just is it's yeah. uh, the scale of it. Top Gun. You're, I'm a kid of the '80s, so I'm I remember seeing the original one in the movie theater as a kid, and and so right. that certain things appeal to that, but I think um, people got comfortable it's with being
1: did. at home. <laughs> yeah they want to pause it when they want to go to the bar <laughs> yeah they want eat it. their own f- they want to eat their own food, you know yeah you know? so again, it's you know going to the theatre used to be a big thing with your friends and a big group of you perhaps, and things like that and again that's not not gonna happen really, is it I guess um people are starting to isolate themselves again that way by choice right. this time.
0: But I think also like for example, just the schedules are a little different, right? Because I mean, we we you know when I was working on stuff, it was always the summer blockbuster films, right? Yeah. So in the summer, summer yeah. it was a, like a lull, and then you're waiting till the you know sometimes yeah. you got laid off in the summer, and then you get hired back in the fall, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I and mean, so
0: now there's no schedule. It's like hits yeah. are happening all over the place, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, quite a few of the things that I worked on, obviously, like deadlines were very, very driven by theater release dates. Um, If it wasn't the theater release date, it was the Academy um, submission deadlines. Um, And and those were literally around two, so it would mean every project would start around the same time and every project would ramp up and be finaling at exactly the same time. So you know, studios would be absolute carnage around those particular times. And uh, it did make for an absolute nightmare, I, I think coming to somewhere like crafty for me which is the first real time I've ever got into episodic work um, everything I've done has been filmed before this it's nice to see how a company can use that to our advantage to stagger workloads both for crewing resources time and infrastructure and people's sanity in general um, it's it's really nice to see that it's it's given us that ability to manage that a lot better I think well, I remember the pilot the episodic season.
0: work is not Go <laughs> ahead, the sorry, episodics
1: when, when you had broadcast schedules
2: right yeah, on Episodic mm-hmm. before everything started shifting over to Netflix and Hulu and, and the different streaming formats, you had that broadcast schedule. So you had to like it's airing mm-hmm. on this date and you had to get that done. And then yeah. the whole pilot, yeah, the pilot season, season was
0: remember pilots and in- yeah, all, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like the
2: pilot season was insane because you just you're working very late nights. It's just this um this huge push um to get it done and and it was kind of chaos. You didn't know what was going to pan out. And then after that pilot <laughs> season, it just would drop off. And then you have those summer lulls right. where there's not a whole lot going on. You maybe have one or two shows kind of cooking in the studio at that time. And fall hits again, you're right back on that broadcast schedule. And the the streaming right. just changed all that. Like, okay, well, if we want to put more time to it, we'll push that, that streaming release date out. Um, and that's... I it takes the, the foot off the gas pedal a little bit yeah so it's not just grinding you to just the point where you're you're, you're burnt out um i've noticed that the burn. but up, it gives
0: consistency too right because yeah. the, the, you, so
2: yeah. you have steady work you're not finding these low points you just say pretty much on this volume of work throughout it's scattered throughout the year um right so it's it, you kind of maintain this 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 uh, productivity level that just kind of stays in a certain volume, but um, I think uh, people were so hungry, or different different studios were so hungry, they were just taking on a bunch of work, and they realized they didn't need all that work. They 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 were getting enough Mm -hmm. that uh, like crafty started going, hey, we're gonna tone down our 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 volume of work um, to a more manageable level instead of pushing people and and pushing them to just deliver. Um, and be like stick to our guns about what our our core philosophy is, which is work-life balance. Um, and I think that that's a awesome. very unique thing that Crafty has. Um, and why yeah. they've been successful, and why they're pulling in more people and talent. Um, and it's a monument to their success. So, well,
0: what what about like in terms of just general industry? Because I mean, you know, you guys obviously do. And I'm going to say episodic in quotes because I don't think it's episodic, right? Episodic was like Babylon 5, SD, right? And low budget and some guy in a basement trying to figure it out on an Amiga, right? (laughs) And so that's not what it is anymore. Like now you have to deliver for my 4K LED HDR TV, (laughs) right? And that is a very different animal compared to what it was. I mean, what, what really is the difference between, quote unquote, episodic and theatrical releases these days in terms of the quality of the work?
1: Not a lot. Not really. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I can't remember even the last even, HD
2: show I did. It's yeah. do I even Do I even <laughs> right, do an even do HD episodes, shows?
1: <laughs> it's, uh, even the the episodics are now you know they're feature length. They're an hour and a half long each. And you know, yeah, like you say, rendering at four K full CG environments. I don't think there is a difference.
2: Well, I mean, you just I mean,
1: have was, the the new the new um, Rings of Power you
0: know, Lord of the Rings <laughs> show is like Rings of Power $60,000 per episode. 60 <laughs> million.
2: 60 million per episode, 60 million, not, not sorry, including what the Thousands. cost of what they paid the Tolkien estate for the rights to it, so which I think that bumps it up to another 90, like 90 per episode if you right. spread it out.
0: And there's and that is by the way, there's not big actors names in that, no. so that is all going to production costs.
2: And it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like you look at the shots, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous um i mean i'm like where i live like my building is actually a bunch of vfx artists so we're all like getting together on weekends we have like cookout on the grills but we're nice. all sitting there talking about what we've just watched that week and everybody's just buzzing about the rings of power stuff <laughs> like man it's mm-hmm. so good it just looks so good and that's your streaming and you <laughs> gotta output that every every week you're outputting a new um a new episode
1: um so it's just that I haven't the barge got to, haven't got to Rings up. of Power yet. So, what no was that? Was that Chris? <laughs> I haven't got to Rings of Power yet. So, no spoilers. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, still yeah. halfway through House of Dragons. So, oh, <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, you, you, you went, know. you went, you said I would take it. I was new it the other way around. So, that's cool. Yeah? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, it's just it's just kind of awesome because I do remember, like, you know, when Crafty sort of started paying attention, I was like, oh, these guys are. Going in with a this this interesting niche that's about the future, where everyone else is still chasing Marvel films. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> you know, there's a neglected part of the industry that's yeah. out here, right?
1: Huge part of the industry for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think a yeah. lot. Mean- and
0: not to say that there's anything wrong with working on Marvel films. Well, there's sometimes there is, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but but there is there is a great opportunity for for great work out there, and it's really cool. So.
2: I think a lot, especially up here, because there's there was just that. I think there's that time period where it seemed like everything was a Marvel film. Like there's just constantly new Marvel right. films coming out, and you have a whole workforce of artists up here that have they've checked that box. They've worked on a Marvel show. They're good. They're like, okay, that was, that was nine months of grinding, um, mm-hmm. and now what? Well, now that I've checked that box, yeah. what else do I do? Um, right. And so it's there's a lot of other work that's going on. Uh, what was the, the Apple TV? Um, what was
0: the, name the of foundation?
2: It? Yeah. it's an Apple TV show. Uh, it's a sci-fi one. I forget the name of it, but you have these foundation? different uh, IPs that are now coming out that are still beautiful pieces of work. It's still amazing work. Okay. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not a Marvel flick. It's it's something else. It's something new to expand and and try your creativity. I mean, that's
0: okay. I mean, Dune wasn't a Marvel flick, and look how awesome that was, it, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, for me, that
2: was a, like there's certain things I'm a nerd about. Like I love Dune. I've been reading uh, that book. Anything Villeneuve,
0: man. I'm 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 anything Villeneuve. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but I'm a sucker. So I'm a sucker. Um, okay, I do want to uh, l- let's talk a little bit about trends in the industry, if that's cool. Sure. Uh, yeah. I want to. I want to, and especially uh, you, Sean, because you've been on set for for a while, and you've seen this transition to to things in terms of green screens to LED screens, yep. right? Like, what's your thoughts on 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 that? Like, how does that? H- how popular is that? Is, is it really? as it from someone who's actually on set? Do you see a lot of it? Are you seeing the benefits of it? What's your What's your thoughts on on, on that?
2: Um, it's one like when it first started, you saw it was like the gag, right? It's, it's everybody's using the catchphrase "unreal virtual production." Um, Chuck- you see a lot of companies trying to get into it right now. A lot of them, um, and the development of that is you don't really know what you're getting into until you actually get into it. Um, you have right. uh, you have the success of Mandalorian that used it so well, but you still had, you still hear people that are like, no, we still had to like Roto things out. We still had to do like post work on those things. Um, but then you have, um, you take those lessons learned from those things. So it's, there's, I definitely see that as a future way of, of going because you do get interactive light. You do get interactive reflections on stuff Things that you would have to spend a lot more time in comp or, or CG to get those results, you're getting them uh, in camera. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of benefits that it just looks better in camera than it does doing in post. I hate to say it, but it just right. – so some of the stuff, the effects, practical effects look yeah. better in camera. But – That's actually
0: you –
1: know, Go ahead, Chris. One but of that, my I mean, but do, aren't
0: you guys involved with – because you got to do it in pre then, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's kind of – that's that's the field that interests me one of the most at the moment. If I'm completely honest, like I started, as I mentioned, started in gravity and like it, there are videos out there. If you see, yeah, George gravity Clooney was in the was light
0: box. That was that was very much a very similar yeah. system, right?
1: And and we developed that technology. We put like George Croon and Sandra Bullock in the light box when they're spinning around in space and had the look. Right. This. And we in 3D mapped the sun and all that to map rotations and things like that. And then we did that. And then I never saw anything of it ever again. It kind of went away, and I was like. This is so cool why like, why is the industry not doing this and it's an area that interested me quite a lot and then for me the pandemic hits mid-dune for us um during doing right. reshoots um and uh DNAB, we explored that technology heavily like very heavily in um in conjunction with unreal like kind of trying to sh- shove its foot in the door of the previous industry as well and um we got to work with some really cool people there that are doing really fun things like like you mentioned about the blue screens and stuff like that but now what we were trying to work on is a system whereby we know like where the camera sensor is on on stage to a micron at every given moment we know what it's looking at we know what color every pixel is on the screen you know and we, and we can start to tell if if there's if the pixel isn't the color I expected to be that means there's something in front of it and helps me kind of key, start to key it in that direction and at the same time You know if a director's like oh you know what i don't want this building here can you put it here in front of you know and and that but one of the areas that interests me is the most is like that is a pre-production phase and coming from a lot of my experience a lot of the the pre-production work and they'd send you like models and things that they might have used and stuff and it's all garbage you know it's all got to be redone in a post-production setting and right. i don't see why with that technology sitting in the middle that the led walls and that sort of thing like why we can't sit on both ends of the fence and do most of our post production during pre production you know if if we're the ones there in in the studio setting up that work on the screens doing the 3d modeling doing the look dev and all that sort of stuff and have a pipeline that ships it into the studio during shoot like we we've, we've got ourselves like half of the post-production done during the actual principal shoot um that's something that fascinates me it
2: does require a lot of decisions yeah, it, being made up front though which uh, I mean yes, before- it does well yeah
0: <laughs> it does but you know what you know mm. before cg we had to do that too so uh but uh here's a here's a couple of notes um so I've been fascinated by this, and I've been very interested in this. And I actually very much think it's interesting what Unreal's doing, and I really like it. The only problem with the Unreal process is that it's kind of a dead end in terms of the rendering, <laughs> and so you get to the end of uh, you know rasterized render. And listen, you can get really great looking stuff out mm. of out of of rasterized render. It's just that it takes a lot more effort to do that. So what I've actually been doing is sort of looking at what if you introduced a ray tracing process from the very beginning that you can yeah. carry all the way through, through your post-processing. So actually that's why I've been looking at V-Ray for Unreal and advantage and real-time ray tracing as a as a bridge between those whole that whole process. So yeah. I'm curious to think like you know, like you asset develop from the very beginning, you can mm-hmm. light the whole process and then you can still keep working with it in post if necessary without having to rebuild it all over again. What do you guys yeah. think about that idea? Like do you think that would be a good process
1: I mean, <laughs> absolutely one of the the things for me is is the i don't know if you've seen the bridge that nuke have introduced um between unreal oh yeah. And, yeah 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 uh, and uh and it kind of basically Unre- uh, unreal what's it called parses. unreal is un- yeah i think it's just called unreal bridge or something uh it's just uh, a something node like that calls, yeah. it just calls a back-end unreal server um and allows mm. compass to actually pull passes directly from an un- from a, an active server running in the background so right. it, it kind mm-hmm. of does away with this whole. Oh, you forgot you forgot my exposition pass, or you forgot my depth pass. Oh well, I'll get it here, but I'll have to render it overnight or something. It's like no, just fire up the Unreal server and just call it live. It's like they're not saving passes out, so it kind of negates that little pass, like portion of the workload, and and frees us up a bit more to the other end. Sort of what you were talking about, like to actually do the work on the actual CG side of things.
2: Right. It'll be interesting to interesting to see what Unity does as well with that. So I mean everybody's talking unreal, but then you've got Unity sitting here as like Dark Horse that's getting ready to start <laughs> blossoming because yeah. of the it because of the weather. The whole weather of it.
0: The weather thing, yeah, I'm very curious about that. There's a lot of stuff going on, and in, 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 in obviously in Unity and in, in, in well, all of them. You know, it's just mm. a game engine. Yeah. Well, you know, when I when I started getting interested in virtual production, it was all you know Motion Builder, and Motion Builder was just the stalest <laughs> of all because it, no one had touched it for so long, and people were just okay with a crappy OpenGL look of things in virtual yeah. production. It was really really sad, you know. And now, they're like, no, this can look as good as the Triple A game yep. and my game is like why not like, even better than that yeah
1: exactly <laughs> you know
0: so uh so it's interesting but has it affected like Sean has it affected you on set as well I mean do you do you work in some of those stages
2: I I haven't I mean for the past year I've been pretty much one hundred percent in the studio just helping Crafty's Vancouver um uh, studio with their CG come up and and build that team out and working with Chris to. Develop our workflows and and just move that, move that part of Crafty forward. Um, okay. it's, it's needed because uh, I was the only one here, uh, and then I, we brought on Chris. I think a month after I was here, and me and him just kind of been charging away. Oh, so
0: your Vancouver office is very new. Is yeah, it was right? um,
2: it was CBD, and then Crafty okay. bought CBD, so it was a comp house. I mean, it was solely comp. And Crafty was a, a comp centric studio yep. for a very, very long time. And because yep. of the good relationships they have with the, the clients, um, they were pushing to do more CG because they just like that relationship. Um, and so then it just exploded with how much work. It's like we've been, gr- the CG department has grown so fast. I mean, it's just, uh, I've never seen a, a CG department grow so fast <laughs> before. And it's just trying to keep up with that, and keep moving forward, keep producing good quality work. I um, mean, it's needed both of our, our one hundred percent of our attention. Um, yeah. There hasn't yeah. even been time to like, yeah. all right, I am gonna, I am gonna dip out now. I am gonna, I am done CGC, but let me go do some onset stuff. like, yeah, there is not even <laughs> right. the time to do that. There is just, we've gotcha. been busy, just insanely busy. Um, so it's, I am looking forward to getting back there, but we got to like kind of wrap sure. up some of the stuff that we're on right now, and um, right. And I can get back to that that kind of thing. And Chris has been uh, one of the key players in trying to move the Unreal development at Crafty. He's he's in the middle of it right now. I'm, I let him speak for that himself, but it's we all kind of have yeah, our I'm goals. Yeah, I'm curious.
0: And then so I'm curious about that. And, and Chris, let's 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 talk let's talk uh, off mic because I want to tell you about some of the stuff we're doing with Unreal as well Can't and see wait. what you guys can. I'm
1: genuinely hyped for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been pushing this for a while, and it's you know I I I just think that there's so much opportunity, and I I really like what Unreal is doing, honestly speaking, with what it what it has. Mm. Uh, I and I know it sounds weird to say this, but I think it's just it's a great real time solution, but I think its rendering falls a little short by its nature because it's a game engine, Absolutely. and so. There, but at the same time, real time is not always just about gaming or about rendering. No. Real time is about integrating, capturing, playing, interacting, Excellent. all of that okay. stuff. And um, it's really good at that, right?
1: There's a level of uh, collaboration available within real time software, whether it be Unity or, or, or Unreal, um, that I, I think, unless you've kind of been in the thick of pretty much most of the departments within the full vfx range you can't really kind of see it but like even just collaborating with somebody who's on set you know and they just like they want something done on an led wall real quick you just tell the studio quickly he makes the change and it's it's on your wall already um and again within the studio like the implications are quite quite vast i i agree with you the image quality is quite bad um the software itself is is knowingly drastically lacking the ability to produce AOVs required to do good comp work. Um, right. And it, it's been a long an issue for a long time, but for me, I kind of see it as pretty much all the renders that we use, they've all been there. You know, they were all subpar at some point in the history. And um, I think if you take it just as a renderer, I think they will get there with the release of Unreal 5 relatively recently. Things got took a significant leap forward and they're actively trying to work to get, um, those kind of things a bit better. And I, I think if, if we don't take that leap to do the development work now, while it's in that infancy phase and while we have the opportunity to do so, uh, we run the risk of being left behind in the future when something like this does actually take over. So,
2: Right. Right. But there's,
0: yeah, I think it's fascinating. Go ahead. Uh, I I'm I'm curious, Chris. Uh, uh, sorry, Sean. And more specifically, I mean, obviously, you've been following this. You've you've seen how things operate on yes. set, right? So, uh, so what do you think? What do you think the advantages of that real time experiences is, is going to? How is that going to change the onset experience?
2: Well, it's it's like Chris is saying. You can if they can make creative like changes on the fly. Like, hey, I don't like that backdrop. you need to move this around, and it's all if you kind of set up your libraries, you have more of this interactive creative brainstorming session instead of like, okay, we'll just, we'll figure it out later. It's like, no, we can figure it out right now. We can get those ideas. We can start really locking it in and, and getting the ideas that we want to convey storytelling wise, um, to hit a, I mean, it's visual storytelling. That's what we're doing.
1: Um, yeah. and, and you can go from, you can go from a sunny day to an overcast day to rainy day, you know, in an instance without having to wait for, the DOP and the, the weather, like, yeah. So well, yeah. The weather alone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, how many times have yeah. I you're outside and you
2: like you're stop, you have to stop filming because there comes the rain, and and it's like okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I live in Los Angeles, so never but, uh,
2: <laughs> up here. It's right now. It's, it's
0: that's why this is why Hollywood was built in Los Angeles because it never rains. I mean, that's literally why it was here, right? So, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs>
2: funny, like, uh, it's having lived in Atlanta, LA, New York, I've lived in all these different locations, not necessarily in VFX, but I've lived in these different locations for periods of time. And now a lot of them, you have that New York film location, you have the New Mexico film locations, you have these different areas yep. that you can now do on an LED stage and you can literally just shift your environment around, um, and, and. Yep. It has that lighting, you have that time of day. you have that creative control like nope, it's sunny, but we need it to be a little bit overcast. Yeah. Um, you can you right. can make those calls with the lighting department. It, like it's it's not just one you're working in symphony with yeah. other different departments to hit that look instead of you're just, okay, this is filming day. we're outside we get what we get and knowing how expensive that is, um, you're able to use uh, your money more wisely on a production set. Um, you're able to lock in some creative calls um, that aren't. You're not figuring out later on down the road in post, um, and you get to a quicker final uh, image and final look that you're trying to hit with less iterations. When I mean, the iterations is what kills right. us uh, so many times. It's like yeah. nope, that's not it. Oh my that's god, that's not it. Nope, yeah. keep going, keep going, and finally, you're now your version seven hundred fifty-three.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. le- le- well, that's the thing. I think instead of versions. Let's, let's, let's go with infinite versions where when you let your finger off the mouse, that's when you've decided what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're constantly moving that sun here, mm. here, here. Okay, yep. there, that's where you want it? Click. That's As opposed to move yep. it? No. Move it? No. Move it? No. Move it? No. Move yeah. it. no you know, doesn't make any sense to do that. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay. I want to. I want to make sure. You know. I know you guys are very busy, and I want to get through a couple more subjects if that's sure. okay. Sure. Uh, uh, look real quick. What is? What are your thoughts? And you know, keeping on with the, the news of the this thing. What are your thoughts about some of the new AI tools that have been out there? How are they going to affect you? Both good, disruptive, all those different things. What are your your thoughts on that? Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, in terms of you know, sort of. I'm not going to name any companies, but, um, but you know, automated image generation, should we, should we call it? Um, sure. And that kind of thing, um, it absolutely has its, its place. Um, and I've worked in places where concept art can take weeks and weeks and weeks, um, where I've seen some of these things produce a similar level of work with the right wording put into it, um, in, you know, a matter of minutes. Um, and, uh, I think that kind of thing because again with concept work is another one of those things that you can iterate on forever like you spend a week with a concept artist um like so i was a concept artist for guardians one designed the interior of nowhere and i oh nice i did that for months right absolutely months yep. and it was it was like do a week's worth of work send it to the client that's not what i want back and forth back and forth um and again like this kind of software can get you and an automated version of that relatively quickly, just as just to start getting that ball rolling with the client, and you can you can be like, okay. Well, is this the aesthetic you're looking for? Is this the maybe the color palette that you're looking for? Is this all these right questions that you can start to get answered and cut out a large amount of that work? Um, I think that's a huge a huge win for us. I think it's yet to rear its head in the capacity that it's going to be used in our industry. AI in general, um, I. I know people think it's going to steal their jobs, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure when people saw the first LIDARs coming out and stuff, they thought they were never going to need modelers ever again. And lo and behold, here we are still retail Boeing LIDARs, you know? Um, so I, I don't feel it's kind of ever going to replace anybody. I feel it's just going to make people's lives better, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. What are your thoughts, Sean? Um I mean, it's, I've messed with it a little bit. I think I've I've seen more compers that have uh, expressed uh, a worry over it. Um, but, mm. I mean, it's it's still a tool. I don't think it's a replacement. It's a tool to help uh, facilitate work faster. Um, but it, I don't ever think it's a full 100% replacement of an artist. Um, mm. I look at it as, it's, it's a tool to get me from A to B faster. That's really what it is. I do find it fun because I can just sit there and throw a bunch of ideas out of things that are in my (laughs) head. And (laughs) as I'm trying to figure out what that looks like or what someone else is looking like, I think translating someone else's image in their head onto a physical pixel of of an image is hard. It's probably one of the hardest things to kind of figure out this. You can quickly iterate ideas and words and things that they're using or, or you're both collaborating on to come up with something that hits that that look. Um it may not be perfect, but it's a tool. It's just it's it's like mm-hmm. it's a paintbrush, like which you have different paintbrushes, it's one of them. Um Yeah. Now there's some things where I see AI coming in not so much as a creative part, but the machine learning stuff where it helps optimize your systems um and optimize your render times and things like that and and that kind of stuff. That's great. Um, how to streamline processes. How to, like, you send off one render and an AI uh, machine learning goes through, cleans up your render, goes through and optimizes, like, hey, you've got two high settings here. We can clean this stuff up here. Those kind of things. Yes, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely uh, innovative and exciting to see. Um, and that's where I start seeing the machine learning stuff that comes into play. How to... Uh, remove some of the human error out of the equation because a lot of stuff, especially if you've been doing something for a long time, you get tired and you kind of forget a few things, having kind of a safety net of some machine learning that catches some of those things. It's kind of like what we have for Sandy checks when Sandy checks or publishes and stuff like that. Some of these things that can be automated that don't necessarily, you don't really need a human dedicating that much time. It doesn't mean it takes away from a job. It's just one less thing you really have to worry about or, or make an error on. That's that. I see. That is a beneficial thing.
0: Um, and I'm glad. I'm glad you say that, Sean, because I do remember. Like, there was a time when when V-Ray obviously had a whole lot of settings, and then those settings were not necessary because the defaults were better than <laughs> screwing around with the settings. Oh, right? Yeah. Because the but there are people out there that were so upset about those changes in V-Ray because it's like, well, that's my whole job is to figure out the magic settings. I'm like, that shouldn't be a job. No. And, and it's <laughs> funny, I still use the same settings that
2: I've been using for for let's see, fifteen years. I mean, I'm still going back like right. the interface has changed a little bit, but I'm still going back and going, nope, 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 nope. I click, 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 click. I get through my my standard settings. It's always my go to. Then I increment on top right. of that. But it's it's some of this stuff is it just it takes out that wasted time. I think a lot of that trying to figure out the magic setting is it could be better spent achieving a creative goal instead of a technical yes. goal. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree.
2: Cause it, we're at the end of the day, I think you're creating, a, you're creating art. It's, a, it's still an art form. It's yes, it's a business and yes, it's technology, but you're still, it's a creative output that you are, you're, you're coming up with an image at the end of the day. And if you're focusing on yeah. that, instead of like what things to click and what switches to flip and what numbers to plug in, to get that final image, it's you're back into focusing on the art instead of the the numbers. So I like that yeah. aspect. I'm a visual guy. That's how I I think. I think visually. And then I just happen to know awesome. the, the the math <laughs> behind it. But then they I still right. fall back on does it look cool? Is that that at the end of the day, does it look cool? And does it hit the note and what the client wants it to be? And yeah, for sure. That's, I think that's for all artists. That's really what you rather focus on. Um, yeah. So,
0: well, I could, uh, the one thing I was tell you, Chris, is like you said, you were working on, on guardians for months. Well, I have a friend of mine who was, Concept artists on Avatar Two for eight years. Eight
1: years. Ouch. Ouch. Just
0: think about that. It's like it's a good. I'm sure it's going to be a good film. But that's eight years of your career for one film. Right. That's that's a (laughs) hard.
2: Well, it's going to be a series (laughs) of
0: films, but doesn't matter.
2: Still, and you have James Cameron, who's a great artist, on top of going. Nope, I'm an artist too. I know exactly what I want. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, just ask the AI, James. Uh, okay. Well, listen, I, I know you guys, uh, you know, you guys uh, can't necessarily talk about, can you tell us anything about what you guys are working on at Crafty so people can look out for some of the cool stuff? I mean, what's some of the things that have been released recently that you guys, people should check out?
1: Uh, we just finished work on, um, what's the, <laughs> code names in this industry. I can never remember the actual name of the the project. What was uh, um, the Will Ferrell and- Oh, uh, Spirited. The new... Spirited. Yeah, so we just finished up that one. Yeah,
2: um, Nice. So, uh, yeah.
0: Sean Devereaux was the VFX supervisor
2: right. on that. And that one's, yep. one's going to be funny. I mean, like, anytime you put yeah. Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds
1: together in a Christmas movie, that's, like, it's comedic gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. That's awesome. That's we awesome. Did,
1: uh, quite a lot of good work on that. Um, that's some real fun stuff to do. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, that's coming out in like a week or two, right? Is that not once I think now?
1: November release? November or something. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. I, I, one of the big things, I, I know the draw, and maybe for the LA guys that we finish on a lot, we've done a lot of sci-fi work. We've done a lot of this. We've released a lot of the Star Trek stuff, Orville's. Okay. Um, that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that's already... Out and gone, but, you know, uh, Star- uh, we have nice. good relationships with clients like that. Um, Star Trek Discovery, they're working on right now uh, for the new season. Oh,
0: nice.
2: Um, I think we can talk about what we're currently working on. I'm I mean, We're working on the- <laughs> You know
0: what you can do? You, you know what you can do is you can say it, and if we can't say it, I'll edit this okay. out.
2: <laughs> so um, right now, the, our big project that Chris and I are working on, we're doing the Continental series, the prequel to John Wick.
0: Oh wow! So it's uh, yeah. 1972
2: New York. It's got that old New York feel to it, which um, oh, that's very exciting. much stylized. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. a it's a three night series, so it's three. It's basically three episodes, and it's basically the backstory of the hotel. And um, we're nice. doing environment work on that one. I'm not going to go into too that's much detail so.
1: beyond that, but yeah. Sure. It's, uh, well, just the- make sure you clarify with the
0: people at, at Crafty that yeah. we can we can mention what you mentioned. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> but,
1: um, it's it's one of those projects that um, it's the only project me and Sean are joint working on together. Uh, so it's that big that it requires both of us, and it's it's beautiful work, isn't it, Sean? Like it's it's going to look stunning. Yeah. I think
0: I um, can't wait. I can't wait. Sorry. I actually love the John Wick stuff. I think there's something just. Crazy about it. That's just wonderful, you know. Like, I just—it's a—it's a fun thing. So, yeah. we have—I have another podcast I do called Martini Giant where we we talk about movies and get obsessive. And we did a whole thing on the John Wick series, and I'm like, it's—it's it's really funny. Yeah, really funny. yeah. I mean, it was.
2: I'm actually a huge fan of it too. So it's kind of like for me, it's like, well, this is fun because it, it goes back to the <laughs> yeah. old action sequence movies, like the old action movies. You don't really have those too much anymore. Um, so it goes right. back to the, like. Those that like, grew up in the '80s and '90s. There's the big action films were huge. It just was a, the blockbuster mm-hmm. things that come out, and are also like Keanu Reeves seeing him reemerge later on. It's like he's a super nice guy, and and you just mm-hmm. kind of love seeing that. I mean, it's just fun. There's certain films that are just fun to watch. You you're not looking at the visual effects. You're actually just watching the movie, and I think that's something that a lot of us that have been in the industry. It's hard to separate the the work and the business from just the pure entertainment. And that was one of yeah, those sure. film series. I didn't even look at the visual effects. I was like, well, "This is great. I love this. This is these are fun." Um, and the dog, yeah. the dog. I just had such a huge visceral reaction to the dog in the first movie. That I'm like, "Oh, oh. oh I can't even watch that part anymore. God. I going to fast forward." <laughs> <laughs> to it. But it's a it's a great series to be a part of. So. But it
0: makes you want revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. You can, you can relate. You killed my dog. I
2: can. <laughs> you can relate. You want revenge. So it's um yeah it's it's nice to be a part of that that um that ip so um yeah. it'll look great we're we're, we're going to be pretty proud of the the look of it so far so we're excited for everyone to see it that's awesome that's awesome
0: well listen guys thank you so much i really appreciate it you know i know you guys are very generous with your time and uh, and this is such an so exciting good. thing and and uh and uh, i really appreciate it so thanks so much for joining this guys yeah, thanks for having yeah, us yeah, we really appreciate it it's been it. fun
1: thanks. yeah thank you thank you